0: Hey everyone and welcome back to the m M&M Hockey Podcast as always, I am your host Alex Metzger along with me is my co-host Chase McCallum uh, and today we are going to talk about some stuff happening in the NHL over the past week. Uh, not a ton to talk about to be honest. Uh, Chase and I were just kind of talking off air about how this has been one of the slower seasons I could we can remember from at least a news cycle point of things and you know I, I don't know part of that might be I know during the seasons and past years, Chase, we've kind of gotten away sometimes at times from doing every seven days. Uh, this year, we're definitely making it a point to try and record every seven days or, you know, even sooner than that. So maybe that plays into effect where if this was the case last year, we would have just kind of not recorded for an extra week. But, man, there's really not a ton to talk about news-wise. It's been a couple of injuries here and there, but nothing, you know, and we're going to get to one or two of them soon, but nothing like super incredible. And then other than that, like there hasn't even been that many suspensions or anything.
1: Yeah. No suspensions, no trades, like New Jersey's a big story, but other than that, it feels like a lot of the leagues, like good teams and stuff have all been kind of meh too. Like it just feels, feels like whatever the NHL equivalent of going through the motions is.
0: Yeah, which is a scary thing to say because usually that happens in like
1: February after the trade-down. That's probably really concerning. (laughs) I've never thought about that aspect of it, but that's kind of funny. But
0: uh, there, as you mentioned, the Devils are something we're going to talk about, and we can start with them because there is some storylines to talk about around the NHL here. And uh, the one is the New Jersey Devils on a W-13 streak. Uh, they are they can set a franchise record if they beat Toronto. Uh, we're recording Tuesday night. I'm not sure when this will be out, but they play Toronto on Wednesday. Uh, if they beat Toronto, that is a new franchise record, uh, beating some of those like godly Devils teams from the early 2000s, late 90s. Uh, this has just been an absolutely insane run for the New Jersey Devils. 16-3-0 on the year. They're outscoring opponents 73-44 to for a plus-29 goal differential. Uh, only team that is uh, better than them in the league is the Boston Bruins, who we'll probably talk about too. They have a stunning plus-40 goal differential. But uh, the New Jersey Devils, you know, we kind of talked about You know, the Senators got a lot of talk this year. You know, the Red Wings and Sabres got enough talk. The Devils were in that group, but I kind of feel like, you know, we I mean, obviously compared to this, we slept on them, but the Devils are the one out of those four or five teams who thought could maybe take a step in the East. They have taken it and just ran with it.
1: A hundred percent. I have a question. Yeah. Imagine they, like, they're obviously going to regress a little bit. They're probably not ending the year with like a 68% XG or whatever the hell they have right now. Well, like, say they end the year with that 60% XG, they're, like, a 50-win team. Are you buying them as a real team, like, long-term now?
0: Uh, it probably depends on the goaltending. Like, real team as in going to be legit and top of the standings every regular season?
1: Yeah, like, are you picking them as a slam-dunk playoff team, like, best top-in-the-metro kind of thing next year?
0: have to if they stay with, like, a... 58 expected goals percentage right
1: yeah i feel like that's the correct answer and maybe this is just like priors too much but it feels wrong
0: it does but also i think what's going to play into them we're already seeing this year washington Washington. i don't think that washington's making the playoffs and people are going to go well they're injured it's like yeah they're old as hell no wonder they get injured so so often
1: yeah those risks are correlated
0: but yeah, and like I think the thing that is encouraged should be encouraging for Devils fans too, is the reason this would continue, is it's their best players kind of driving this play, right? Like Pilot is injured now, but he had a 60% expected or Coursey four percentage and like a 68% expected goals percentage. Uh Thomas Tatar leads the team in both stats. Uh, Jack Hughes is top four among forwards in both stats. Like it's not like this is just some insane shooting bender that they're on. And like, I'm sure they are. I haven't looked at their shooting percentage to win 13 in a row. You obviously have to have some luck. Right. But like, it's not like this is just like most of their PDOs are, you know, some, some guys have a crazy one, but like Jack Hughes is under a one PDO right now. So I think
1: I did not know that.
0: Yeah. He's at a 0.981. And like, so I, I think that's kind of the encouraging thing is, if come the end of the year, they're a hundred point team, you know, second in the Metro or whatever. Like, I think it's fair to say, you know, again, who knows what their goaltending, but I think it's fair to say, yeah, they probably will have cemented themselves as a a team in the, in the Metro to at least be scared of, because to me, it kind of reminds me of, you know, for years, it felt like Carolina should have taken a jump and they just never really did until like four years ago when they absolutely did. And it's like, Oh yeah, see, this is the Carolina team we're
1: expecting. And they've been good ever since.
0: They've been good. New Jersey reminds me similar, except we weren't expecting New Jersey to be quite as good for the past few years. But like, I didn't think New Jersey was going to be as bad as they were last year. I thought they had the pieces, and then obviously Hughes goes down. They're they they can not get a save in net to save their life. But you know, I, I could see it being a Carolina situation, and you know, the underlying numbers share the same same kind of story as that those Carolina teams as well. So yeah, I mean, I, I think if they do finish top three in both, you know, expected goals, scores a four percentage finish with a hundred and something points. I don't know how much I buy them in the playoffs this year, just with Vanacek and Blackwood as a, a tandem, but at least as a team going forward, you know, they're being driven by their young, their players. And most of their players are relatively young in age.
1: Yeah, that's, that's more than fair. I, like I said, like mentally, I, I know you're right. Like logistically or whatever, it just feels wrong. If that makes sense,
0: yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. You know, we've seen the same kind of teams be the dominant forces in the metro for so long now, right? Like,
1: yeah, like it just like obviously the Pens are going to be bad at some point, but like it not being Pens, Washington, and like the the, Hur- the Hurricanes will probably still be good too or whatever. But they're the one team that I have faith in the metro hundred percent.
0: Yeah. Now, the one thing I'll be curious with the Devils, and, you know, this is probably putting the cart before the horse here, just, you know, but we'll do it anyways. So they have $2 million or $2.8 million in cap space right now, which is fine. And the cap's supposed to go up this year season. Yep, for sure. But Jesper Bratt is an RFA this year, uh, and he's going to want a massive payday. Thomas Tatar is a UFA this year. Miles Wood is a UFA this year. Eric Hall is a UFA this year. Uh, Yegor Sharangovich is an RFA this year. Michael McLeod is an RFA this year. Jesper Boquist is an RFA this year. Uh Damien Severson is a UFA this year. Ryan Graves is a UFA this year. Um They have a ton of... Um, Mackenzie Blackwood is an RFA this year. That one may be not as serious, but they have a ton of decisions to make in terms of who they want to keep and get rid of.
1: Yeah, I wonder if... And again, this is definitely overkill because I'm sure they will be fine. They've proven with smart acquisitions and stuff. But like everybody just assumes there's like an upward linear trajectory for teams, like young teams, when in reality, like the Leafs' best shot at a cup was probably the end of the Matthews Marner ELCs, not anything in the past few years. If like flexibility wise and whatnot, I wonder if there might be something similar with the Devils, where like oddly enough, this is kind of their year.
0: Yeah, I, I, I do think so. Like, and that's why I think they should kind of not go all in or whatever, but they shouldn't be scared to spend assets this year. Don't take this year for granted. You know, you basically already secured a playoff spot. Go get yeah, some help up much. front, you know, depth scoring and, and make yourself a force in a Metro that's pretty wide open too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'd definitely say that's probably a smart strategy, especially so, given how bad the division is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Bernier he, he's done this year he's on LTIR right now but his four million will be off their books just in payroll uh Andreas Janssen's 2.275 which is buried right now will also be done this year so they're gonna have some like they're not gonna lose like they're not losing Jesper for Bratt or anything like that but I like I think Damien Severson's probably gone and I think he's gone more just because they have so many right-handed D I don't see how they keep him
1: well they're like, let's say this team's a juggernaut, like Avs level in a couple of years. Their best D from that team will probably be not even on in the NHL yet with Nemec and Hughes.
0: Yeah, exactly. So they still have a stacked uh, prospect pool as well. Like Nico Dawes is a 21-year-old goalie who, you know, I haven't kept up with him recently, but he was a second-round pick, I believe, Um Third round pick, I guess, but you know, like he, he's someone that I think they have some hope for going forward, still as well. You know, he didn't look good in 25 mm-hmm. games last year, but I mean, 20 year old in the NHL, I wouldn't expect him to, right? Um, yeah, not at all. But yeah, like this, this team is got a stack playoff or uh prospect pool still for how good they look right now. Like, I, I think absolutely this is the year you take advantage of it, try and go. Again, whatever all-in looks like. Like, I'm not saying they have to go spend all their massive product. Like, you're not trading Simon Nemec for Patrick Kane or anything like that. But, you know, go get some scoring help. Use your first-round pick this year.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with that. They're, they're probably a good team to do, like, the two-year thing where you get somebody with an additional year, so you get a couple shots at it given the,
0: yep, the time Absolutely. Of their team. Yeah. Or yeah. See if you can, you know, do the classic where it's like, I don't, I don't think Pat I don't know if Patrick King would really want to sign in New Jersey. I have no idea, but if you can get like a higher end rental, but then also lock them up for like a three-year deal kind of thing, you know, that could be an option as well. Um, kind of like what the Leafs did with yeah. Jake Muzzin. And um, yeah, 100%. Muzzin was a two-year deal as well, but at the time, but um, yeah, like they, they have a really good team here and it's something that I, I think, you know, in the way they built this decor, I, I do have faith in it going forward. You know, we love Dougie Hamilton. He's amazing. I don't really see him falling off a cliff anytime soon. He's 29. And I think we all agree the back end of that contract will look a little stiff, but you know, right now, I don't think there's any reason to see him regressing. Uh, John Marino has been a perfect fit. That dude's only 25 years old, which is kind of crazy. I was thinking Marino was like a 28 year old, but you know, like he's going to be an awesome fit for this team for a while. Um, you know, I i I wonder if they maybe try and keep Ryan Graves at around the same price point he is now. Maybe a slight raise. Um, but I, And then I think Damien Severson's you know, gone after this year. But, like, if I'm not mistaken, Damien Severson's been their fourth most used defenseman this year. Like, I'm pretty sure it's been yeah. Hamilton and Marino yeah, Hamilton, as the top two.
1: Hamilton, Siegandler, or whatever, is the, the top pair. And then I assume Marino would be the next guy up.
0: Yeah, so let me just... I'm just going to try and quickly uh, see if I can get time on ice per game here, and and like not that it matters too much, but yeah. So on five on five, anyways, it goes Marino one, Ducky Hamilton two, just behind them. Siegenthaler three, just behind them. Ryan Graves four, just behind them. Severson's been the fifth most used defenseman by like two minutes basically um, at five on five this year. At two minutes per night. Yeah, per night. Yeah, a minute, minute and a half per night off of Ryan Graves at four, and two minutes per night, over two minutes per night off of John Marino at one. Wow. Yeah. And so, like, I'm, I'll go all strengths here as well. Um, goes Hamilton, 2140, Marino, 2139, Seagenthaler 2025, Graves, 1931, Damian Severson, 1802. So he's been their fifth most used defenseman. Like, and again, that's a luxury that they can afford right now, but they're also like, you don't have to pay for that going forward because you do have a Simon Nemec who can probably step in and provide even 80% of the value as a number five defenseman that um, Severson's giving you this year in his you know, rookie year.
1: Yeah, plus the the but upside with Nemec is huge. Yeah, yeah. And he's cheaper. Like, everything you could possibly want there is there.
0: Yeah, so, like, this team is beautifully built for now and the future. So, it'll be really interesting to see what they do throughout this year and, and just how far um, this win streak goes. I'm just pulling up their schedule real quick. I know they play Toronto on Wednesday. Toronto played them really hard in Toronto the other night. Um, they... What I think Jersey lot won in, in overtime, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, they play the Maple Leafs, so but if they get through that, they go Sabres, Capitals, those are two teams, you know, reeling right now. Uh, and then they go Rangers, Predators, Flyers. So The Rangers are a tough team as well, but like after the Flyers, they go Blackhawks, then Islanders and Rangers. So honestly, in if they can get past the Maple Leafs. Their next six games, seven games, well, yeah, the Islanders are second in the division, but six or seven games have, like, one team you would think they could lose to. I mean, other than the fact that, obviously, it's the NHL. Anyone can lose to anyone, right? But, like, if they can get past the Maple Leafs here, there's a chance this win streak kind of stretches on for a couple more games. And, again, like, they, even if it doesn't, they basically already secured themselves a playoff spot, which is just the most impressive thing.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely nuts. Imagine they hit like twenty or something.
0: That would be insane. I'm trying to think of like what the most recent massive winning streak has even been. Sorry, that was my calculator hitting the table. Um, like I, I, can't remember if there's even a W13 recently. What yeah, I don't, I don't know. We are gonna look it up quick.
1: Um, there was the Sabres you know at the record ten. With? I don't know what the record is. Yeah, the I'm Sabres guess had a twenty-two.
0: The Sabers had a ten because that's always the classic. Uh, oh, watch out for the Sabers! They're uh, they're starting odd here, and then yep.
1: they never do anything.
0: Um, the record is seventeen by the 92-93 Pittsburgh Penguins.
1: That's them, or uh, Mario and Yager ones, I assume. Yeah,
0: and now. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think, you know, and, and what's even more impressive is the way that ended was a tie. Because <laughs> they didn't have shootouts back then either. So, oh, yeah, yeah. That's depressing. So you all, exactly. You almost wonder like if that could have gone longer, because I, I can't imagine that team would have been too uh,
1: bad in a shootout. No, I wouldn't think so. Some tells me peak Yager and Lemieux would have been all right.
0: The longest uh, recent in the past, like 10 years or so, is the Columbus Blue Jackets, 2016-17. They had a 16-game winning streak. I do remember that.
1: Yeah, that one was big.
0: Um, and then Buffalo in 0506 and 0607 had had uh, 15-game winning streaks. Or sorry, mm, no, okay, wait. This one's cheating. It's the end of the 5 06 season in the 06. We're not counting that. Um the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2012-13 t- had a 15-gamer. Uh, then the Eagles Islanders with 15 in 81-82. Uh, the Bruins, 14 in 1929-30. Uh, and the Capitals in 09-10 had a 14 as well. And then the Florida Panthers had one of the. Now, oh, that doesn't count again. That's the end of 2021 into 2022. Uh, we're not counting that. So, um, And then Florida had a 13-gamer in 2021-22, so last season. Which I don't actually remember that. I do remember them just being like obviously unreal last season, but I do not
1: remember it being thirteen games. Okay, I kind of, I, I don't know if I remember that either. To be honest,
0: I like I definitely remember them rattling off like oh, I thought it was like eight one loss eight or something like that, but not thirteen. That's really impressive. But um, yeah, I mean, there's not much else to say. I don't think about the New Jersey Devils other than it's it's just been quietly impressive and you know it's been such a jump year over year And I think that's probably part of the reason why you know even rightfully or wrongfully there's probably going to be speculation about whether they're a quote-unquote legit team or not by the end of this year because you know you look at the team like they took such a large jump from last year but I think it's also fair to say last year they were relatively unlucky at times too right
1: well 100 it's not an accident both them and Seattle have been way way better this year they made off season improvements, but also teams with the worst goaltending in the league tend to get significantly better year over year.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, and then the other team we're wanting to talk about tonight uh, is the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that is because they are, they're, they're playing pretty well. They, you know, it's not uh DEFCON. I don't know what the DEFCON level would have been earlier in the year, but very high. Um but their blue line is getting
1: very interesting to watch. eh? It's getting pretty ugly, pretty fast.
0: So if anyone hasn't been paying much attention to the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, obviously Jake Muzzin. we talked about him. We're not sure he's ever going to play hockey again. Uh, You know, he's got a spinal injury, but it definitely seems like he's done for most of the season. If not all of it, Uh, TJ Brody is also on the IR. Uh, His doesn't sound like super long term. I don't think, but it's, Definitely a couple weeks
1: if he's on the IR. Like a week-to-week thing, from what I
0: understood. And then Morgan Riley now has a knee injury and is placed on LTIR, so he'll be missing, I think it's at least nine games or about a month or something like that. Um, So they are without, you know, their top, three. what people I think would call their top three defensemen
1: heading into the year. Yeah, certainly the players they perceive as their top three defensemen based on usage when all goes according to plan, I would think. Yeah, and other
0: than Muzzin, I would still say fairly their top three defensemen up until maybe last year when Muzzin started to get injured.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: So, so now their decor is the highest paid defenseman on the active roster right now is Justin Hall at two million dollars, and then you have Grin and Sandine at one point four each. Giorgano at eight hundred k. They've called up Mac Hollowell, who makes seven hundred and fifty k. Jordy Ben who makes seven hundred and fifty k. And Victor Mente who makes seven hundred and fifty k. This is. People are screaming that they got to go make a trade. I don't think you do. I, I don't think you can. Unless it's someone you know is going to help, like, even when Riley and Brody get back. And you know Muzzin's out for the
1: year. Well, that's a thing, right? They Like, if you're the Leafs, again, you the regular season doesn't matter. So you can't make a three-week trade. Like, it's got to help you in the playoffs. You're going to do it.
0: Yes, but I would say the argument is maybe if you're expecting some of these guys to miss three months, or you know, I like well, I'm assuming let's say Morgan Riley's right, at what six to eight weeks, and yeah, probably, same you know, as two month. months. Yeah, and then Muslim's probably not coming back. Like the argument might become, well, the regular season doesn't matter until it does because can this blue line get you the playoffs? I, I think they can. You know, the four, and it's more the floor record is going to carry this blue line probably to the playoffs, but um, yeah.
1: The second you know, that Matthews is, stops shooting 5%, things things look fine, whether the decor yeah. is
0: playing. But it's, it's much more of a question mark now, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, their room for error definitely gets smaller.
0: I will say, obviously, you don't want to see anyone get hurt. The one blessing in guy's here is they are really, really, really going to see what Sandy and Lily are going to have. <laughs> and if they are capable of playing those top four minutes, everyone's been projecting that they can. And their underlying numbers suggest they could – you know, to get a shot at for a while. Now.
1: Yeah. I was talking about that with, uh, with Jake beliefs today. And I would, I didn't want to tweet it because out of context, it could sound awful, but the Riley injury might actually be a positive in that information about Sandy and Lilligan off the lineup is way more valuable than, I don't know what's Riley worth over two months, like a third of a win or something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, a- absolutely. Uh, it's uh, because it, this is like you can't. This is going to be the absolute test that, you know, we people have been debating online about whether, you know, they could have walked away from Riley because they have Sandine here. Or, you know, is Lilly ready to be a, a legit, bona fide top four guy? Well, we're going to see it now because, you know, there's no excuses for these guys of, oh, well, they're playing too far up in the lineup because then. Guess what? They're just too far up in the lineup, and you can't project them to be top four guys going forward.
1: Exactly, and like both these guys, ELCs are done. They're still young, but they're not that young. Like they need to be able to play in top four now. Yeah, not need twenty three. Like
0: Like he's getting to the point where it's like, if he doesn't show something more than what he is now, he probably won't become a top four defenseman.
1: Yeah, exactly. If he chokes up the lineup, I mean, he's still clearly a great third pairing defenseman, but. If he chokes up the lineup, that's probably all you have in him.
0: Exactly. Which again, there's value in that. But when Talks everyone's value. been projecting these guys to be top four guys for five years now, like you know, there's obviously the value's got to be capped somewhere as well. So yeah, it's gonna be quite the look for this team um to you know try and survive the next couple of weeks. Uh Matt Murray's looked pretty good in the three games that he's been back in. Um, so you know that's at least been encouraging and, and kind of settling people down samsonov's also on the ir but it doesn't sound it sounds week to week with him as well so you know i'm sure they'll ease him back into things but this toronto team i mean it's funny what getting to overtime does for a team right because this team is 500 they're 10 5 and 5 that is 500 but half of their losses are in overtime so the record looks very good and puts them rightfully so puts them or maybe not rightfully so in terms of logic but like they played well enough to get up to second in the standings with how the standings work these days right
1: they're second in the standings
0: (laughs) in the division
1: oh okay Um, that 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 makes more sense yeah what the hell
0: (laughs) yeah but they're they're ahead of lightning they're ahead of the red wings they're ahead of the panthers but like again you again you can't just do this but Let's say you take away four of those overtime losses, um, they're suddenly on the outside looking in with the Florida Panthers. And, you know, I I bet you the vibes are probably a lot worse with this team if they're 10, 9, and 1 versus 10, 5, and 5, even though it's 10 losses both ways.
1: (laughs) Pretty similar, yeah. All the vibes would be horrible otherwise.
0: Yeah. But, and again, like it's you, given how the standing structure works now, you can't take away those loser points from them. Um, And, Given how injured they've been, I think it is one of those scenarios where it's like, yeah, this is probably actually a good thing that at least they're banking some loser points when, you know, they're not quite winning games that uh, otherwise maybe you think they should be with a full lineup, right? Like it's not, remember when Columbus snuck into the eight seed a couple of years ago and it was like, they had like 13, 14 loser points or something like that. It was just like- That
1: was the year that they beat the Leafs, wasn't it?
0: uh, Yes. Or when they swept Tampa.
1: I can't really remember.
0: Maybe, okay. no, I think it was the Leafs here. But yeah, it's just like, it yeah, was, this, yeah, this team isn't actually that good. That's not what I feel with the Leafs, you know?
1: Yeah, it's more just, like we say with good teams all the time, when they kind of go through regular season funks, like just survive, get to the playoffs, and then we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly what Toronto's doing. So, um, you know, credit to them. Man. I think it's fair enough to say.
1: Exactly, because like... The regular season helps, and home ice advantage is a thing that matters on the one hand. On the other, I don't foresee a world in which we're looking back and saying the Leafs lost in playoffs this year because of not having home ice advantage from the regular season.
0: Yeah, 100%. So,
1: Like, they're either um, figuring their shit out or they're not, right?
0: Yeah. Um. It's kind of weird how bad they've been in overtime. I think it's probably more of a luck thing, but like considering how amazing their top four forwards are and even like their top two defense when you can run out Riley and then Sandine or Sandine then Riley
1: yeah and like Riley's made for overtime hockey
0: yeah but they're like I think Owen five this year in overtime if I'm not mistaken yeah they've been it's been, well, it's been strange so um yeah it, it should be a really good game on on Wednesday though because at least are playing for pretty solid hockey and then obviously um we don't even need to mention how good the devils are. Uh, If you want to bet that game, the best place to go and use your bets is Betstamp, uh, sponsoring this podcast. Uh, I just pulled up the Betstamp odds right now for this game on Wednesday night. The best odds currently are Toronto plus 127 and New Jersey minus 130, um, which honestly isn't as big of a spread as I thought it might be, given how injured Toronto is.
1: Is it in New Jersey?
0: It is in New Jersey, yeah.
1: Okay. I... uh goal i bet the the devils last time they played this game and i was quite happy with that outcome so the the odds have swung pretty far since that but i guess i'm pretty sure toronto was at home that game and uh obviously riley and them being hurt wasn't wasn't true last time so i guess that makes sense
0: yeah absolutely and if you want to know just how um important using an app like Betstamp is that compares multiple sports books all in one place uh the Leafs' lowest line is plus 112 uh, and the devils on some sites are as high as minus 150, which means you know you are paying a lot more than if you're using the best book. And the best way to make money while sports gambling is having multiple books open across, multiple books open across multiple different sites. Uh, Betstamp allows you to um, compare those very easily all in one place. You can track your bets as well lot uh, as long as well as, excuse me, uh, tracking other people's bets and seeing what other people in the community are placing. Uh, this is all free. And if you want to sign up, use the code M&M hockey, uh, you know, and that'll go a long way. Use the referral code. Um, yeah, thank you to our partners at BETSTEP for sponsoring the podcast.
1: A hundred percent. And uh, uh, yeah, sports betting is hard enough as is. So you might as well get the best bang for your buck if going can do it.
0: Exactly. And I like it's it's funny, you know, I don't want to obviously we're gonna promote them when they're you know sponsoring our podcast, but I've been using the app since they approached us a couple of weeks ago and I'm absolutely loving it for uh, you know, me and you both football bet, and it's been absolutely amazing to track football across multiple different betting sites right now.
1: Yes, legitimately help, which is cool yep. that we don't have to like plug a useless sponsor. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> Not that we would ever do that. Um, like I don't know
1: what I'd say about manscape <laughs> the fact they said everybody shit or whatever. I didn't actually care that much.
0: Hey, don't block future spot. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, let's, let's switch to some teams that maybe aren't doing some so well right now. Uh, Buffalo Sabres are on L8 at 2-8-0. Um, they do this every year, man. They start hot. Everyone goes, nah, they're they're different this year. They're for real this year. And then they absolutely suck shit. Uh, I don't even know what to say at this point. It's them in Ottawa, bottom of the team. Ottawa 6-11-1. They've been absolutely brutal as well. Um, it's it's just like, man. Like we talk about New Jersey taking that massive step. These two teams are teams that both wanted to take the step New Jersey taking, especially Ottawa. I think wanted to take. A, obviously maybe not a W thirteen, but you know what I mean. And they've just not been able to whatsoever.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like the Sens are allergic to it for sure. At least Buffalo didn't try as hard in the summer.
0: Yeah, Buffalo was just like, hey, we think we're gonna get some growth from our young guys or whatever. That's great, and.
1: They you know, have they still actually,
0: might. yeah, exactly, right. Like, um, but and L eight is still kind of tough. But I think that's kind of what happens when you go into the year with uh, Eric Comrie and Craig Anderson as your
1: goaltending duo. Exactly, it's kind of best case scenario tank for them because their their young players all look decent from what I understand, and then you know they're still losing games in a historically good draft class. So that sounds like a gigantic win to me.
0: Yep, exactly. And then, you know, in the Metro, things are kind of other, obviously the Devils are a surprise. Things are kind of going back. The Flyers on L7, they're right back down to Earth, 7, 8, and 4. Blue Jackets are bottom at 7, 10, 1. The Capitals seven, ten, and 3. They can't stay healthy. They're on an L4. And it looks like, I don't know, like, I guess my question to you for the Capitals, is this the beginning of the end or is this a year where everyone is hurt and it's such a drastic measure. You think they'll at least be like a wild card ish
1: team again next year. Assuming you I'd don't buy the i be- I'd buy the beginning and the end. 100%. Like I, I kind of, do. Been, too- they've been fading for a long time.
0: Yeah. And like, it's always been, you know, like even the past couple years has been like, their underlying numbers haven't been that strong. It's just been like really reliant on high end talent.
1: Yeah. And, and th- those guys are,
0: yeah and like it's to the point where like yes i get it ovechkins can still shoot the puck he sucks at every other aspect of the game
1: yeah and like like their forward course just doesn't look like it's getting any better anytime soon their defense course average age is like 30 they have talking
0: about Nicholas basker maybe never playing
1: again like yeah, they have no cap. Relief. Well, Backstrom went on a TI, I guess, but that's not actually a good thing if you're trying to stay good. They have no cap relief other than that coming this year. Yeah.
0: And, you know, TJ Oshie has been on and off IR at times this year. I think he's on it right now. Um, yeah, like they're just, they're so injured. And again, it's like, yeah, they're missing Tom Wilson for sure. But, like, they're why do you think 35 year old TJ Oshie is going to get less injured or 34 year old Nicholas Backstrom is actually going to get healthier? 34 year old Carl Hagelin, you know, like it just, yeah, it's just, yeah. I, I kind of buy the beginning of the end here too.
1: I would be happy. Like I will definitely not be picking them to make the playoffs next year. And we've kind of been lower than the general public on Washington forever. So like if there's signs, it's legitimately over, probably going to be early rather than late on that as well. Right. Yeah.
0: And what will be really interesting to see is if their management group thinks the same thing because they're kind of in a good spot to sell some depth beat. Like Nick Jensen will probably go for a decent pick. Like that Nick Jensen's a guy most teams I think should probably be over if he is
1: getting sold by Washington. That's the kind of guy that least could look for. I also, yeah, exactly. yeah, I lied with the no cap relief. I was used to reading the uh the offseason cap friendly. They they have a lot of depth cap relief but the core is still there
0: yeah exactly Lars Eller's another guy if they flip they could probably get a good pick for um you know not like a first or anything but you're probably getting like a second or third for Lars Eller um again Nick Jensen yeah. like
1: third round I mean, pick for two-way center Lars Eller at the deadline sounds pretty reasonable yep you could spin that
0: Nick Jensen probably goes for like a second um Trevor Van Ringstack probably goes for like a fourth again like right-handed D are in such need right now you know, like both Trevor and Reems like and Nick Jensen, guys. I'd be okay with Ottawa trying to acquire if the price was, you know, cheap enough. I'm not saying give up a first or anything for it, but um, you know, and Ottawa's probably at this time where it's a little lost now. But I could see any any playoff team that needs a right-handed defense would should absolutely be in on any of those. Either of those guys, you know, obviously TBR would be lower down the lineup than Jensen, but
1: yeah, one hundred percent. Jensen could probably be for a new team what he was for the Caps originally when they got him.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, Sonny Milano is another guy where you could probably flip them. Um, Dylan Strome is probably another guy where you can flip them. So, I really do kind of hope that they realize where they are and at least get
1: some assets back for some of these UFAs. Wouldn't shock me if they just go down with the ship, though.
0: Yeah, me either. Connor Brown's another guy. Like, they just paid a second for him this year, but you probably get a third or sec- second or third back for him on the deadline again. Like,
1: yeah, another oh. little depth spec.
0: Yeah, I I just I think they absolutely should sell. It'll be interesting to see if they do or not.
1: Yeah, it's probably like a how far out do they have to be? And I assume they're going to be close. Like they have been pretty bad, but I assume they'll get within close enough they can talk themselves into, oh, we're only six points out or whatever.
0: Yeah, I mean, I say because right now the playoff cutoff is twenty two point or like twenty two points is what the top eight teams have or more. Um, they are at 17, so that's five out. Yeah, like if they they better stay around, I, if they're staying around there, I can see them convincing themselves. But like if they're 12 points, out, you just got to sell, you just have to sell.
1: Yeah, you absolutely have to. With that
0: Um, the other team I wanted to touch on really quick was the St. Louis Blues, who are on a, a W7 after a big L8 to, to start. So they they go three and oh to start the year, then eight in a row. Uh, losing at uh, the three and eight, everything looks horrible. And then they rattle off seven in a row. Uh, they are up to 10, 8, and 0 on the season. Uh, they are now fourth in the Central Division. They have jumped the wild, who have been off to a 8, 8, and 2 start. Not great for them. Jumped the Predators, who are 9, 8, and 2. Uh, the Blackhawks are in L4. The Coyotes are in L4. They're kind of where we
1: think they are. St. Louis Blues starting to turn it around. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see like where they level out at. Cause I presume they're significantly worse than they were last year, but like they obviously weren't as bad as where they started this year either. So it'll be kind of cool to see. Yeah.
0: They're still 27th in Corsi four percentage and uh, very low. I want to say in expected sorry, I, I just lost their expected goals uh, metric here, but they're about that in expected goals as well. I think they're at 48% right now, which uh, puts them at oh, why can't i find them i apologize this is bad podcasting uh doesn't matter uh, th- th- their underlying numbers aren't great it's the point i'm trying to make um and that concern like i don't know i don't want to say like obviously any massive winning streak is fraudulent to some degree but it's like if you're not even boosting your underlying number, they're 18th in expected goals, so that's a little better. But if you're not even boosting your underlying numbers, like aggressively up right now during a seven-eight game winning streak, I'm
1: a little concerned by that. You know? Yeah, for sure. Like it's it's very St. Louis, though. Or at no, least I... recent St. Louis.
0: Yeah, it's extremely St. Louis, and you know, I I haven't looked, but I bet you if you go back a month or two or like back to when this started Let, let's just go three weeks back i don't know when exactly their um winning percentage started but let's just take a look at their shooting percentage see if that is they're at 9.52 all situation or at five on five which is 10th in the league you know so not uh aggressively insane uh and yeah, then be a situ- high
1: year long total but yeah, on, exactly. Like
0: and then all situations, they're ten percent, which is fourteenth in the league. So they actually haven't been just um, shooting the lights out, which is a little surprising. They're getting a really good save percentage over the last three weeks nine one seven at nine seventeen point eight at all situations. Um, shocker, the only team better than them is the New Jersey Devils at uh, nine twenty five. So it's the two teams on massive winning streaks have the best save percentage uh shout out to the arizona coyotes who rank third in that and have, are on an l4 right now um l4 with 915 goaltending is pretty impressive
1: tank job for the ages you'll have to yeah, see
0: it no kidding um but yeah so honestly like props to st louis i guess for you know not having you know it's not like they're shooting the lights out but they are getting much better goaltending than they had early in the year which I, I again goes both ways like i think it was always it would have been unfair to just assume that gold thinning from the start of the year was always going to be that bad, you know?
1: Yeah. 100%. That's always going to regress to some degree. Yeah. So,
0: um, I don't really have much else. Do you? I don't think so. All right. Let's, uh, let's end her there. Shorter podcast this week, but that is okay. And as I said, there's, as we mentioned, there's not been a ton to talk about. So, uh, I think some trades might start coming sooner rather than later. Everyone always gives American Thanksgiving as the cutoff date for, like, teams going to no, know what they real. are. And, yeah. yeah, that's this Thursday. So, you know, if we're using that logic, then by this Thursday, teams should start getting an idea kind of who they are or what they are, and that'll probably lead to some, hopefully some more teams kind of admitting that they're probably, this isn't their year, and they should start selling. So, what we'll definitely see.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I hope. It'd be nice to see something. Again, it's been kind of a boring year. So it'll be cool to see some some movement at least.
0: Yep. Yeah, it's been a definitely a boring year from like a content yeah. perspective. It's been good the games have been good. Like I've enjoyed watching most of the hockey games, but it definitely has been a slower year from content. hundred percent. All right. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. As always, you can find my work at Last Word on Hockey at, uh, and Chase's work at ActionNetwork.com. You can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and Stuff. Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week.